they've all got grandmas, and they've all got stories. I'm Chloe Hung, and this is Stories from My Grandma. Join me each week as I sit down with a different grandchild to talk about their unique grandma. No problem. And uh, can you introduce yourself for us? What do you do? Who are you? Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm Kirsten Johnson. I am a playwright and writer of general things living in New York City. Chloe and I know each other because we were in grad school together. Um, and I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Louisiana, so New York is different for me, but I've kind of moved around in a lot of crazy ways. So... You've also lived in D.C. That too. So, I don't know. Maybe we should just jump in and yeah, we'll let's just jump dig. In. <laughs> yeah. We'll dig. We'll be archaeologists okay. in your mind. Okay. So, can you tell me about your grandmother? Can you paint a picture for us? What is she like? Sure. Um, so, my maternal grandmother is uh, a brilliant woman named Chastine Johnson. Um She's, if I'm being honest, I don't know her exact age. There was a time when I did, and she was around 74. I'm going to guess that now she's around 77. Um, Closer to 80. How about, let's just say closer to 80. Um, She's a mother of 12. um, Wow. Twice married. Uh, She lives in a home that she owns and that was owned by her family before her. Um, And... She's a bit of a loner. A few of her sons live with her. She's kind of an all-mother when she so chooses, and when she chooses not to be, she wants to be left alone. Um, Yeah, she's a lady who's known for her opinion and also for sitting on porches for long hours saying hello to everyone. So, yeah. That's great. Where does she live right now? Right now she lives back where I grew up. So I grew up in a suburb of New Orleans called Metairie, Louisiana. Um, and both my mother's and father's family are from that neighborhood. My dad's family just sort of moved into the city after a few generations. So um, my grandma still lives there, as do most of my aunts and uncles. And she lives on a little house on the corner. My neighborhood's tiny. It has a front street and a back street and then eight streets that go between the two. There are no cross streets. On one side, there's a canal, and on the other side, there's railroad tracks. And so it's just this little insular thing. And my grandma lives on the back street, and she's known as Miss Chastain from the back street. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's living there. I think two of my uncles live with her. Uh, it's a big house, and my uncles all sort of circulate in and out of it as their lives shift. Um, but she's there. She's kind of active in local politics. She's a part of this group called the True Democrats. And it's these it's all these older black folk who care about who's on the city council and who's the mayor and that sort of thing. And they canvass when they need to. They support local candidates. Um, it's one of those things that's really interesting because it's so small and so local that it's not super intellectual. They just sort of say, like, 
that candidate cares about my people, so I vote for them. And then they go out and they do stuff, and they're not overthinking it. They don't know what happens in Washington. <laughs> I don't think they care. Um, and then besides that, she just hangs around her house and tends to her flock, as she likes to say. Her flock. Yeah. You guys are her flock. Yeah, she's got a lot of kids, so she's got a lot of grandkids. Yeah. 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 Do you know where she was born? Was she born around there as well? You know, I don't know. Yeah, so my family's one of those weird families where the things you know are the most immediate stories, and I don't know a ton. So I had a project back in undergrad, in undergrad where I wanted to know more about my family, but I only really ended up digging into my great-grandparents. So I know more about her parents than I do about my grandma. Ooh, um, and I tried to ask my grandma about her parents, and she was like, well, you have to ask your Uncle James, who's her older brother. Um, and so I asked him, and it was so strange because he's so old, and he didn't remember a lot, but he tried to tell me what he could. My grandma kind of just doesn't talk about that stuff. My guess is that they grew up, for the most part, in Metairie, exactly where they live now. Um, I know that my great-grandparents, like my great-grandfather worked at the wharf, so he must have worked on the river or something. He must have been doing something that was associated with the Mississippi River. And I know that my grandmother worked in this, my great-grandmother worked in the St. Charles Hotel, which is in New Orleans proper. So I'm guessing for the most part that my grandmother grew up there. She's one of five, five or six to count them out but um she had she had two brothers um one of them died recently and she had two sisters so five one of five <laughs> um and yeah that's about as much as i know i know like my family is one of those families where they don't talk about specifics you only know things that you know about people because they become stories that people retell and so really what I know about any portion of her life is basically a myth. Um, and so it's so maybe true and maybe not the whole truth. And I'd only know if I walked right up to somebody and said, tell me the truth. And I don't have the kind of family that does that. Or I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. My family is one of those very old school Southern American families where it's you're the child, they're the parent forever. And so there are things you're allowed to do. And when you get older, you get a little more room, but there are things you don't do. Um, and I don't know if people in our family have direct conversations like that. That's something I always wonder about. Um, so I know she grew up, for the most part, probably in New Orleans or right next to it. Um, I know we have family in Mississippi, so I think there are connections there as well. Um, yeah, she's... I don't think she was the oldest girl. I think she was the middle. Um and so there's my Aunt Katie above her, who died a few years back, and then my Aunt Penny below her. And my Aunt Penny, one of those myths, um, she died by gunshot. The way the story is told, she walked in on her husband with another woman, and she pulled a gun, and then somebody else pulled a gun, and she died. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, like, the way it's told, it's there's no way for me to actually know exactly what happened. Right. But she walked in on him, and there were guns pulled, and there she went. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even get that from my grandma. I think my mom told me that story. And she sort of said, yeah, that was your Aunt Penny. And I'm like, is, did she really exist? <laughs> That's too good. That's too good. I don't know if that's true. It's interesting how these, like, uh, these family myths come about in a way 
where, like you said, your mom would say, that's your Aunt Penny. Like, there is this one story that seems to uh, go from person to person that, to them, encapsulates who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how my family works. There's this weird way that you can't truly know any of the things that have gone down. You just know the stories that are passed around. Um, yeah, so that's, that is really the extent of what I know about how she grew up. I, um, I know that, I mean, actually, honestly, if I asked her, she would tell me what she could, I think. She's one of those people who collects newspapers. Um, she likes to remember things that are important. I remember around 9-11, 9-11, she had stacks of newspapers all throughout the house, and it was because she wanted to remember everything. Um, and I recently, an aunt, cleaned out her house and got rid of a lot of her junk, which she was very upset about. She's a bit of a hoarder. Um, she was upset about it, and now that she's getting much older and her memory's sort of starting to go, that sort of stuff, um, she will be mad about it forever. Like, it just creeps in the conversations. Remember when you stole this? And it's like, no, we have to get rid of it. <laughs> but, yeah. So what are some of these uh, mythology, the stories about her? Sure. Um, so, though my grandmother has 12 kids, all of her children are not by the same man. Mm-hmm. I know my grandfather, who was the husband that I know of, um, um, and my mother's dad, and also the dad of, like, the last chunk of children um they had a contentious marriage in some ways and so when i was growing up my mom had kids young she was the first daughter to have kids and she had them around 16 so when everything hit the fan and she had all these children and kind of no income and she was still in high school like how did she work it all out my grandfather took her in so when we were growing up um though i didn't always live at home because my background is so complicated um when i was home we were actually home with my grandfather in a house that he rented and my grandmother lived down the street in her house they were separate homes um and this is one of the stories that are always told. Apparently, one day, my grandmother just said, I'm moving out, or you need to move out, one or the other, um, and take some of the kids. Yeah. Um, she was sort of this no-nonsense. Um, and I get the sense. I don't know that all of the older siblings in my family are all... Like, I know that everyone that my grandfather is the father of going down, that they're all full siblings. The ones above that, I think she had a first husband. I've never asked. Um, my uncles up there all look really different. And so I've always wondered if maybe they all have different fathers. But for the time, that does not feel right. right. So I don't know. Um, and, yeah, that the big the big story there is sort of like, Oh, yeah, your grandma, she left him. She left him cold and dry <laughs> because she was done. Um, and it, it that was how it was for most of my childhood. And then when my grandfather got sick, he got colon cancer. She was around a lot more. She came and she helped take care of him along with my mom and all of my aunts. And, um, and that's one, I guess one of the other myths is that she always liked her sons more. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, like, I, my family is, the neighborhood where I grew up is, a complex place because families who live there have lived there forever. I think this has shifted post Katrina and I don't know it as well now because I haven't lived there for so long, but um, the people who were there, like their people had been there forever. And um, 
my grandma, like because of the neighborhood, it's a lot of black people, a lot of poverty, and like that always comes with a set of circumstances. Um, and I think it's one of those areas that got worse in the 80s with the influx of drugs and all that stuff. So I grew up in an area that would seem scary to most folk, definitely not scary to me because it was home and I knew those people. So people who did bad things didn't scare me because they were like my cousin's best friend, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, the gangbangers were the guys who like drove me to the movies with my friends, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And so my uncles are all sort of, their lives have been wrapped up in that world. And some of them have survived it. Um, some of them haven't. Um, no one's dead, like actually dead, but um, there are a few addicts. There are a few kind of life screw-ups. Things go wrong, um, and my grandmother always saves them. Like oh. if somebody's fallen down on hard times or like he was clean and now he's not clean, that sort of thing, my grandma says the room's in there. Um, and so my uncles always live at home and then don't live at home as their lives require it, some of them, not all of them. Um, I have one uncle who has HIV, so sometimes when he falls ill, that's just what has to happen. Um, and so it's like she's always been a den mother in that way. My mom always said she was never as nice to, the, to us, like she was as nice to, to us girls as she is to those boys. Um, and all my aunts have sort of been the kind of women who have to go out and forge lives. Um, and they don't all, they don't really ask her for help. I think my mom has because her way of forging a life was so fractured in the beginning that sometimes she has to ask for help. But um, my aunts, I think they always sort of looked out at the world and at my grandma and they were like, okay, I'm on my own. I think maybe they were all daddy's girls. <laughs> okay, I was yeah. going to ask, is there, was there a correlation between? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was daddy's girls and mom's boys. I see. Yeah, very much so. that's why she was harder on the girls than the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm guessing, but it's that's one of the things that's sort of handed down. Um, well, you know, you know your grandma. She loves her boys. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, okay. Um, my mom definitely didn't follow that path. I think she likes us all. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe she's doing that thing where we try to right our parents' wrongs. Yeah, that is what we do. Yeah. So did she, aside from the, um, you know, she she loves her boys, uh, was there anything else about uh, that that your mom told you about her as a mother, her mother as a mother? Um, not really. Not really. I know there's one story because my mom had kids so young. Um, and I think that first pregnancy, because she actually got pregnant when she was 15, but she had, and I think she had my brother, at 15 she turned 16 in the year that he was born that i think she hid the first pregnancy she changed how she dressed um and so the myth which is not really a myth because it's all talked about in this very circular way and there's a way in my family that i really don't like the way that my mother's discussed she's always discussed as sort of a problem and she's definitely not that um i think the way that she's forged her life has been a testament to the fact that you know, sometimes you make choices that when you're younger that you wouldn't have made later and then you're stuck with them. And sometimes those choices are children um, <laughs> and you make it work. Yeah. Um, and my grandma apparently was very, very hard on her in that beginning. And so I, whenever my grandma found out, I think her reaction was what, you know, like Kim. <laughs> and I think she was really, really hard on my mom in those early years with all those kids. So I think that's why my mom ended up living with my grandfather. 
I think he might have been more understanding. Or at least, like, we can bring all those kids over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Like, when I try to remember early memories of my grandmother, I don't have them. Mm-hmm. My earliest memories are always of my grandfather. He was just, like, kind of stern, angry man. Um, I think he was really loving, but I was too young to remember the nice stuff. I remember the scarring things, and I remember him terrifying me. Um, but I don't remember my grandma until years later, um, because we moved, our neighborhood's tiny, but there are all the houses are mostly for rent. And so we moved from block to block a lot when we were younger. Um, I have no idea why. That'd be interesting to talk to my mom about. Um, but at one point we just ended up living with my grandmother and that's where my memories of her begin. Yeah, that's where she became a person who was constant. Um, and that's that's where my memories of her are clear from that point on. So I couldn't even tell you what happened before that. Right. Um, I think I remember seeing her walk to church. She likes walking. <laughs> so I remember seeing her walk to church. Um, but that was so about it. Can you talk about when these memories became clear? Yeah. What um, was she like as a grandmother to you and your siblings and your cousins? Um. She's really loving. She's um, <laughs> She likes to comment on you in a way. So she'll sort of say something like, oh, you look so pretty. Like things like that, which is really, really sweet. And um, every she has she likes things specific ways, um, especially her house. And a lot of the, thing, thing, the ways that she likes things, that behavior feels somewhat uh, compulsive to me. Um, but it's... You know, your interactions with her with her were <laughs> she has her day-to-day sort of schedule. She doesn't sleep much. She wakes up at the crack of dawn. Like, if you wake up at 4 to go to the restroom, she's up. She's watching the History Channel. That's pretty much all she watches. The History Channel, she may go to Sci-Fi if the Twilight Zone is on. <laughs> um, she likes sort of old stories about old history and that's what she does she either watches that occasionally she'll watch like a crime special um she doesn't want to be interrupted while she's doing those things uh she eats things a very specific way (laughs) um she has meals that she eats regularly and she doesn't really eat outside of those meals um like for breakfast she likes oatmeal she only wants the oatmeal or Sometimes she'll have, like, cornbread crumbled up in buttermilk, which I've never tasted and does not sound appealing. But that's what she likes to eat, and I feel like maybe she's eaten that since she was a girl. Um, but to her, it feels familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, like, she goes to church on Sundays, and if you don't go, she sort of has a problem with it, but she'd never push you. She's sort of like, oh, you're not going to church? She has this, when she wants to call you a pest, she says, you little tech. Like a thumbtack, I think. I don't know. She's like, you little tack. And I'm like, what did I do? What does that mean? Um, so she never, she was actually really, really kind. Um, kept you fed when my mom wasn't around. Didn't want to be bothered for the most part. She, We could all hang out on the porch and she'd sit on the porch and watch us while we were playing mm-hmm. and while we were doing things. And she mostly, she'd be like, you better get out of there. You don't want to make your mom mad. That sort of thing. Um, I do know that she had a temper. She has a temper um, that she, like, she has beliefs about how children should behave. And when you don't behave that way, it's like a light switch. Um, and when it shifts, it shifts. Um, I have a few really, really clear memories of times where, like, once my younger brother, who when we were kids, he was sort of 
my younger brother and my younger sister were the ones who got into the most trouble. Um, and my younger brother, when he got in trouble, he got into big trouble. He never did anything small. Like other kids just like mess up one thing, but he would always do the worst possible thing. And I don't remember, I can't even clearly remember anymore what he did. I just know that we were all outside playing and he was doing something he just should not have been doing. And it was breaking one of her rules. Um, and she like got up from her chair and she crossed the porch silently. It was so silent. It was so methodical. And then when she was near him, she just backhanded him. And we all stopped. And we all turn. And I remember in the moment, it was terrifying. And now we all crack jokes about it. Like, remember that time Grandmama came home and she slapped you? <laughs> and he's just like, man, shut up, man, shut up. But it was so good. And that that's the kind of woman she was. She never, my mom was quick to anger in a very expressive way. So when my mom got mad, you knew it because her voice was up. She was walking around. She was stomping. My grandma, when she got angry, she squashed it. And I, it makes sense. You had a lot of kids, so you probably needed a way to just, like, have the children stop doing whatever it was that you did not want them to be doing. Um, yeah, so she was so sweet and so terrifying. And now she's sort of relaxed into mostly sweet. She keeps it real. But then she did scare me. Um, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Going to church, doing things. Yeah, we mostly got along. I can only think of one time when we had a major altercation. Um, and I still can't really quite pinpoint how old I was, maybe 12. Um, and it ended up, the altercation ended up not being about her and being about my mother. But um, I grew up in one of those houses where it was totally fine to hit kids and to hit them hard if they really didn't listen. Um, and so I like one morning I wake up early for church because I was really active in church and I was gonna I needed to iron my clothes didn't know where the ironing board was so I like put a towel down on our dining room table well and, and it was in the kitchen so the like kitchen table um and I put a towel down and I ironed over the towel which I didn't think was a big deal like I needed to get to church I had to put on a church uniform and my grandma comes in and she's very upset that I'm ironing on her table because that's not where you iron like, her reaction to it was, this is not where you iron. You must be crazy. So she starts yelling about it. She's upset about it. I can't remember anything that I was saying for some reason. You know, your memory, like, will just take bits. And, like, uh, my memory wants me to be <laughs> the good guy. So I don't remember anything that I did. Maybe I was flippant, probably. Um, and so she got angry enough that it was, like, yelling that woke my mom up. And I remember in the moment I was like, it's bad enough that you're yelling at me about just ironing on the table, which doesn't hurt anyone. And I put a towel down. I protected the table. Like, you're out of line, but you just woke up the beast. Um, so it ended up being this huge thing. My mom's yelling at me. My mom's reaction to a kid doing anything wrong is hit first, ask questions later. And so my mom starts hitting me. And it was a huge thing because I, I don't think I'd ever filled with that much rage. I think I was a... I, I'm a person who spends a lot of time thinking. Um, and I don't think that that's untrue for my siblings at all. I think we all do. I think I just, um, because of sort of, I don't know, you know, tracks in school, like I was a smart kid. Like I, and I think when you put kids in that pot versus kids in the other pot, like there are ways that you start to move in the world that are different. And that's, if this were a podcast about education, we could talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think there were ways that I handled that, that in my head, I was like, this isn't fair. I'm smart. I know how to talk through when I've done something wrong. 
and it's not fair that your reaction to me doing something is to just like start hitting me like I'm a child and I was a child I totally was but I didn't see myself that way and so it's this huge thing and my grandma and my mom are both yelling at me and I'm standing there and I still don't remember this but apparently I punched my mom in the face which is huge huge yeah and my mom freaked out and I can remember it only ended when my elder brother my older brother had come into the room and he was like whoa, whoa everybody needs to calm down everybody and I'm on the ground I like sort of came to on the ground no idea what had happened and then I just got dressed and I went to church and my mom and I didn't talk about it for a long time but my grandma she my grandma and I my mom and I figured out we had like a crying session she cried I didn't cry but um but she sort of said look I just don't know why you would do that and I in a way in the moment I felt so bad because my mom was sad that I was like I'm sorry um but my grandma she moves on and so her way of dealing with it was like you know you hurt your mom's feelings right and I remember I was like yeah yeah and she was like because your mom loves you and like this is how you treat mothers mothers should be treated this way and what you did broke the rules um and she wasn't wrong she wasn't wrong in the back of my mind I was sort of like none of that would have happened if you would have just let me iron the shirt because adolescence (laughs) She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. And my grandma works one way. And to her, I was like, we are their rules, and you are breaking them. Um, and that's the woman she is. Yeah. Wow. Do you think she's had, <laughs> what kind of an influence do you think she's had on you now as an adult woman? Yeah. Um, I think the ways that I'm kind are because of her. I think my father's family, and I never knew my grandma on my father's side. She died before I was born. So on my father's family, I think I learned, though they gave me a lot of the thinking part of myself, they're artists and intellectuals. Um, They sort of imbued me with this thirst for, I don't know, fulfillment. That like these eight blocks aren't it. You can leave here. You can do other stuff. You can be whoever you want to be. And all of that's in them, and they're sort of driven. And, uh, yeah, they're just driven go-getters. And my mom's family are the kind of people who are content with whatever there is. And within that kind of choice, that kind of life choice, I think there is a kindness. And my grandma is sort of the beginning of that. Um, She's how I know that every social situation has rules. There are ways that people are supposed to be treated in that space. And I... And the kind of person who always, when I enter anything, I'm trying to be aware of what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Um, and so I I think that has to be her. My mom taught that stuff too, but she didn't. The important thing about understanding young mothers is that they're mimics. Right. Um, because that's all they have to go on. Mm-hmm. And I think she was doing this mix of, this is what my father did, and her father was a brutal man, so... She could be brutal when she so chose. And this is what my mother does. And so she showered us in love, but also taught us rules. This is how you address adults. This is how you behave when people are watching. <laughs> this, and I think all of that, I think all of that was my grandmother. Um, and I still feel that. I think I believe in her rhetoric about children being in their place. I think that it was a little extreme where I was from, but I do think that she's right. I think if you start raising kids with a lot of parameters and then you loosen those parameters as they get older the chances of them um 
remembering that there are parameters later or higher. I think when you raise children with no parameters later in life, they have a really hard time when the world says no. Um, and I think that stuff is here. It's in my, I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm pointing at my chest. So I guess that means my heart, which is sappy. Um, but I think I took all of that in. And I think that's a combo of both her personality and, you know, being a black woman born in the South and living through civil rights and all that. She's, they just have a different vantage point. Yeah, I was going to ask if her um, teaching you guys so much about rules, how you behave in this circumstance, that circumstance comes from oh, yeah. that. Probably, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, people, intellectuals, people in academia have written about this stuff a lot, and I read some of it, and I don't read a lot of it because uh, I get really, really annoyed when smart people try to tell me things that I already know or that I know intuitively, and then they're putting labels on it, and then, like, suddenly I don't fit into that world if I can't explain it the way they explain it anyways. Um, But she's totally, that's this product of people who, had to live through that amount of uh, fear and also growing from being the kind of person who lives in this, like, you know, Jim Crow South where, like, blacks can't do, colored people can't do, to being a person who now lives in the world where somebody stands up and has a march on Washington and they say, you know what? No. I think watching that transformation, you end up with very, very proud black folk but you also end up with black people who have not forgotten um and so i my my, my, the better way to say it is my grandma knows exactly how to play nice but she also knows exactly how to say like rules Mm -hmm. rules that you follow rules that you break um and i think a lot of that like and i still all those things that i believe that's her um and that's a combination of personality and history yeah I've never talked to her about a lot of that. I feel like maybe once when I was a kid, I asked her about civil rights when I was learning it in school. And I remember her saying, like, yeah, I remember watching it on TV. So she was definitely watching TV. She saw Mm -hmm. the speech. (laughs) She had a dream. (laughs) I know that much. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Maybe I should do. I should, like, sit down and try to talk to her about all that while she's still has all the pieces because she's in the beginnings of Alzheimer's. Um. And so it's, while she's doing the thing where, like, when I was home last, I always, I go home and see my mom. I go home to see my mom. Like, I, there are a lot of reasons to go back to Louisiana, and I do care about some of those reasons, but really, I love my mom, and she misses me. So that's why I go home. Yeah. I've been away from home for a decade now, and I'm only 25 so think about what that means for a mom that are like 15 year old is like peace out um so i try to get back um and so she when i'm there i usually stay at home in my house i don't drive so i'm pretty much stranded in that neighborhood and it drives me up a wall because it has it's a hard place to be now being the person that i am for some reason um well for very specific reasons but we don't have to get into all that um and so my grandma will start calling because she knows i'm in town somebody told her i was coming and so she starts calling and she's like when are you coming to see me and so i have to either walk around or my mom drives me over and she's like you gotta go you gotta go see miss honey and that's what her nickname is miss honey everybody in the neighborhood calls her that even though her name is Justine, nobody calls her Justine. everybody calls her miss honey, miss um, honey where is that 
I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe it's been a lifelong nickname. So when you were home in January, you saw her? Yes. Um, so my mom drove me around, and we <laughs> went in to the house, and she was sitting in front of the TV as normal. And when she saw me, she got up and she hugged me and asked how things were going. And she never wants specifics. She's just like, how is it? How are things? Yeah, so she asked how I was, and I sort of said, things are good. And to her, that's good. And she's like, you like it up there? And I said, I do like it up there. And up there is anywhere that I live. It's not Louisiana. So is your grandmother happy that you are now here in New York being a playwright? Yes. I don't know how aware she is of exactly what I'm doing. I think she thinks I'm writing poetry. But she's happy. <laughs> I wrote poetry as a kid, and to her, in her eyes, like I'm writing a book, and I think it's a book of poetry. Um, but close enough. Yeah. No. Hopefully there's poetry in my plays. I'll take it. She knows I'm doing something creative, and that's good enough for me. Um, and she's very supportive. I guess the other thing that I guess I haven't mentioned, which might be huge, um, my grandmother, so I came out to my mom at 18. And my mom, I think it was something that she just didn't understand, and everything she understood about it was that it was wrong and maybe sinful. Maybe sinful, she's not sure. Um, and so she, in the room, to me, handled it well. I think then went and spoke to her people and did not hand it well, handle it well. And the only thing she ever told me about when she told my grandma is that my grandma said, you know, Kim, she's a good kid. And so I think that whatever her personal beliefs are about who I am and the way that I live my life, she was the person who told my mom, like, relax, she's fine. Yeah, it's not like you're suddenly going to be a completely different person. Yeah, yeah. And I think my grandma got that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I didn't come out to anyone else in my family besides, like, my siblings because we're all close. But I did not come out to my aunts my uncles and that's a lot of people that I didn't come out to mm -hmm. and my mom's had to sort of do that for me at times um, which maybe isn't fair now that I think about it but the stories I hear from time to time mostly with my aunts are sort of like and you let her do that or and you think that's okay aren't you worried about her that sort of thing but my grandma never seems to be an issue which is pretty cool <laughs> that is pretty cool yeah Wow, thank you so much for telling me about your grandma. No problem, anytime. This has been a great story. <laughs> cool, this is uh, Kirsten and Chloe with mm. stories from Kirsten's grandma. Yep, yep. Thanks for listening to another episode of Stories from My Grandma. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, please give us a rating or leave a comment on our iTunes page. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud for the latest episodes. If you'd like to be interviewed about your grandma, you can contact me on the Tumblr page, storiesfrommygrandma.tumblr.com. Next week, you'll hear about Matthew Cesario's grandmother, Clara Sergliano, a first-generation Italian. She was a nurse who served in the Navy during World War II, and she was a writer in her own right, a talented poet. This talent she also shares with her grandson. You'll want to hear more about her. Tune in next week. I'm Chloe Hung, and this is Stories from My Grandma.